All right, church, if you would, turn with me in your Bibles to the chap- uh, John chapter 9. <clears throat> and we are going to be taking a look. If you would have seen, uh, I don't know, maybe it'll be up on the screen there, maybe it already was, but um, the sermon today is called, I Once Was Blind. Many of you have probably heard this particular story, um, and this is going to be one of those this is one of those awe-inspiring moments that we get. And not, Scripture is full of these awe-inspiring moments, but this is one of those that, that I feel like, like as you read through the story, it's such a simplified thing that happens that you almost can't help but connect to it, see what's going on with it, and then come to a conclusion about it. It's, it's such an amazing story and again you you can look through scripture and you can find one amazing story after another but there's something about this one i don't know i guess they all get me excited but this one gets me excited so i hope you're ready to be excited this morning now it seems like you probably should have packed a lunch because what i'm going to tell you is we're going to be looking at the entire chapter nine but fear not i promise i won't keep you that long But we are going to be looking at the entire chapter. So if you would, look at John chapter 9. We're going to read through the entire chapter. And then we're going to talk about some of those things that we see here. And so it starts off there in chapter 9, verse 1. It says, As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or that his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and he made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and he said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went, and he washed, and he came back seeing. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar, they were uh, were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, It is he. And others said, No, but he is like him. He kept saying, I am the man. So they said to them, How were your eyes opened? And he said, He answered, The man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes, and he said to me, Go to Salome and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, Where is he? And he said, I do not know. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been bond. Now it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him, how he had received his sight. And he said to them, he put mud on my eyes and I washed and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such things? And there was a division among them. So they again said to the blind man, what do you say about him since he has opened your eyes? And the man said, he said, he is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called his parents of the man who had received the sight 
and asked them, Is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? And his parents answered, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but how he now sees we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore his parents said, He is of age, ask him. So for the second time they called the man who had been blind, and he said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, Whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know the, uh, that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And he answered them, I have told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? And they reviled him, saying, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses. But as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, why, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, you were born in utter sin, and you would teach us? And they cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? And he answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him, and Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. Hopefully you picked up on some key things in this scripture. There is some just, I can't wait to get some of these parts. I said, you all better buckle in. Get ready. Here it comes. You go back to the beginning of this thing, and the very first thing that we get to see is evidential. You can argue about a lot of things about a person, can't you? There's a whole, like if I walk up to somebody and I say, hey, this is a really great, nice person. You could, if you know who that person is, maybe you've got a different experience with them. You could say, well, that's your opinion, right? But if I walk up to somebody and, I, and, and, and everybody around this person says, this man was born blind. He's never seen once any day of his life. I can't really argue that, can I? The guy has been blind since he was born. It's evidential. It's hard to change that fact. Everybody knew that he was blind. As a matter of fact, it says he was a beggar later on in the, in the Scripture. He was a beggar begging for money. He was blind from day one. So right out of the gate, we get set up with this evidential P. 
piece of information. You can't argue with the point or the facts that are going to be coming. It says, Jesus passed by, passes by. He sees this man who has been blind from birth. But then you get to the next part of this where the disciples now are asking Jesus. They said, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus says, it was not that this man sinned or even his parents, but that the works of God, right? You see, in the Old Testament, back in the old days, people assumed that if you were born blind, it was because of something your parents did. Your family was in such disarray that God punished you. You were born blind. You were born mute. You were born lame. You were born, however, because of the sins of the Father. That's what was taught. That's what was told. That is what was believed. However, we get to see here Jesus is completely changing that thought and idea right out of the gate, isn't he? He says, you know, they're asking, who sinned, this man or his, or his parents? And Jesus said, it was not that this man sinned or his parents. Now, right there, Jesus just took that whole idea and he just shot it right out of the air, didn't he? He said, it wasn't that this man did anything. It wasn't that his parents did anything. Because the truth is, there's not a single person who is walking the face of this earth back then or even today who is without sin. Amen? We all fall short of the glory of God. Period. So that means that whether my father sinned or whether I'm a sinner or whether my child is a sinner, it doesn't matter. Everybody has sinned. So you don't get to take the sin that is in the world and blame it on any. You want to take it back and blame it on somebody? You get to blame Adam. You got to go all the way back to the beginning, right? That's who really messed things up was Adam. He's the one that, that, that took charge and messed everything up. That was when sin entered into the world. But Jesus here is saying it's not that this man did anything wrong. It's not that his parents did anything wrong. But instead, he points to this new this new situation, this new answer that is going to completely blow the minds of the people. He said, but it's that the works of God might be displayed in this man. And you're, if you're like me, you, you probably pause here, don't you? You're going, no, wait a second. You're saying that this man was born blind so that the works of God can be seen and known? Doesn't that sound a little harsh? That this man would be born blind. He was blind his entire life up to this point. And Jesus is saying it's not that he did anything wrong. It's so that the works of God may be displayed here. You see, God, sometimes life just isn't fair, is it? Some people are born with a silver spoon in their mouths. I wasn't. Wish I was. But the truth is, not everybody's born the same way. Sometimes people are born where they can't walk, right out of the gate. Some people are born deaf. Some people are born blind. Some people are born into drug-addicted families. Some people, are, you know, you can run the game, and I can stand up here all day and talk about how the sin of the world has crept into the lives of each and every single one of us. And those sins existed back then the same as they exist today. It's because that sin, it's not, it's not over with yet. Jesus hasn't come back to deal with all that and take us all home and, and rid this world of all of that, right? We know that in the end, sin has been defeated. We know that in the end, death has been defeated. We know that all of those things are true. But we aren't there yet, are we? I sin every single day. Most of you, 
not that I'm pointing a finger, I would venture to say sin every single day. We all do things that are not good, that are not right. The level of that sin changes. Some sins, we again, we're not going to place value on sin. Sin is sin, but some of us do more sin than others. It's what we'll call it. Not a worse sin, but more sin. But it's hard to sort of wrap your mind around the thought that that Jesus is saying this man was born blind so that the works of God could be seen. Isn't it? That's tough. But as we listen to this story, as we hear how things are being laid out here, hopefully it's going to become evident to see what God does and how he does it. It continues on there in verse 4. It says, we must work the works of him who sent me while it's day because night's coming he says nobody can do work at night but jesus says as long as i'm in the world i'm the light of the world this is going to be the second sort of i am statement that jesus is going to make throughout the book of john you see when when jesus what jesus is talking about is Remember, I said in the beginning that, that this man who was born blind, it's, it was an evidential thing. And so for Jesus, he's saying, what's about to happen here? This can't be done at night. You know why? Because, because this thing needs to be done in the light so that people can see it. Jesus wants this to be something that is seen and known, and then he wants people to get it. He wants people to understand. And, and the the hardest thing to do is to do something like this at nighttime when people are in bed and asleep and all of a sudden the guy went to bed and he was, he was blind and he woke up in the morning and now he can see. But you can't relay that back to Jesus, can you? We need the evidence to point to Jesus. And everything in Scripture points to Jesus. It always points to Jesus. You go all the way back in the Old Testament, everything in the Old Testament points to Jesus. Everything in the New Testament confirms Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior. And so as we continue to move through this, what we're going to get to see is this evidential work at hand and playing out. Jesus has just said that this man didn't do anything wrong, that this man is blind for a reason. And this reason is about to become known. Whether you like it or not doesn't matter. We don't get to pick and choose what happens if jesus says you're going to be born blind guess what you're going to be born blind everything in the world is done to bring glory to the father everything everything should point to the glory of the father and you're still probably thinking well how does being blind bring glory to the father because watch what happens here these people who are around jesus these jewish people who are ignorant because of the leadership that they've had and I do mean ignorant because these are false leaders. These are false prophets. These are people who are leading people astray. They are telling them it is better for you to follow the rule of law and it is more important to do that than to believe in this person who is about to do a miraculous thing. And the beauty of this is that this man, this blind man who can't see, who's never been able to see, is about to have his eyes open for the very first time in his life. Jesus in verse 6 he spits on the ground, he makes mud with his saliva, and he anoints this man's eyes with mud. And then he tells this man, he says, go, wash. So when the guy goes and he washes, he comes back and he can see. I'm going to pause again. 
you can come to me and want me to spit on the ground and rub mud on your eyes, it ain't going to help. It just goes to prove that even Jesus' spit is amazing. There is power in the spit of Jesus. Do you get that? Do you get that Jesus Christ can speak things into existence? That Jesus Christ can look at you and say, you are healed. Not like the people on TV that bonk me on the head. Jesus can look at you and say, you are healed. As a matter of fact, you didn't have to be in his presence. Jesus Christ can look at you and say, your daughter who was at home can be healed. The demons can be removed. The things that are going on in your life, Jesus can just speak the words. You know why? Because he is God. And God in the very beginning did what? He said, let there be heaven and let there be earth. Let the light be separated from the sky and in the, in the waters. And then we're going to grow and we're going to create people and all of these things. He said, man shouldn't be alone because left alone, God knows what he'll do. So we need to give him a partner. And so he created woman. I mean, like, like you see, Jesus, God spoke all of these things. And Jesus can do the exact same things. And as a matter of fact, he does. He speaks things into into existence and he makes things happen but here we get to see that it's not even just that that jesus can go mix that in some mud and then boom you can see do you get that that's amazing if you aren't amazed i don't know what you're going to do with the rest of the sermon Jesus' spit is more powerful than any force on this earth. Imagine what the rest of him can do. We're talking about something that's just so beyond our level of comprehension. It's so beyond our level of comprehension. Jesus is powerful in every single way. And this proves this. This man obeys Jesus. Jesus spits, makes mud, puts it on the guy's eyes. He says, now, go and wash. And the guy leaves. He goes and he washes his eyes and he comes back and he can see. Now, this isn't a young person. This is an adult. He's been blind his entire life. Imagine, just for a second, if you're in his shoes. Your eyes have just been opened for the very first time. And here's the beauty of this. The guy doesn't even know how Jesus did it. He doesn't even know. All he knows is Jesus rubbed something on his eyes. He didn't know that Jesus mixed spit with mud or dirt or whatever, created mud and did that. He had no clue. All he knows is that Jesus did a miraculous... As a matter of fact, he didn't even know it was Jesus at the time. All he knows is that there was this presence much greater than anything he's ever dealt with or, or encountered. And so when the neighbors then come along, we get to see that the neighbors now are beside themselves, right? They don't even know what to think. They can't even put together like, like full-on sentences probably because, because they're looking at this person. They're going, we know we've seen him. He's a beggar. We've walked past this guy countless numbers of times, and yet now all of a sudden he can see? Who is this guy? And some people said, no, that's the guy, right? Walking past him every day, like, my eyes, I can see. My eyes don't deceive me. That is the guy. Other people said, no, 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 no. It's not the guy. It's just the guy that looks like the guy. That's because they don't want to believe what's just happened. It's too much for their brains to comprehend. It's too much for their brains to handle. They're like, there's no way. We know who this person is. 
you may or may not have helped this particular individual at some point. And now he can see? And so they're going, no, 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 no. This is just a dude that looks like the dude. It's not the same guy. But he's like him. Doesn't that just seem odd? It's not the guy, but he's just like the guy. You just can't come to terms with what's going on. And people go to all kinds of crazy lengths to disprove the works of the Lord. And so the guy then confirms for him. He says, look, it's me. I had a similar experience when I went to my high school reunion. If you knew me back in my day, I was pretty, I was pretty awesome looking. I had long mullet, hair about down to here. It was all business in the front, but a party in the back. And I had my ripped-up blue jeans on with zebra-skin spandex pants, just to paint a good picture for you, underneath. Shoes weren't tied because you didn't tie your shoes back then. It was very important to leave them untied. I had two earrings in just this ear. If I've painted a decent enough picture for you, I grew up. Now I look like this. I was skinnier then. I went to my high school reunion. And those people swore up and down that I was a guy off the street that took Greg Dapper's name tag off the table. They looked at me and followed me around until finally one person decided to confront me and said, who are you? I said, hi, I'm Greg Napper." They said, no, you're not. I am. I am he, just like this guy. You've seen me. You grew up with me. I'm the same guy. And they said, no, you're not. It wasn't until I started naming other people around the room. I said, you're so-and-so, you're so-and-so. And they finally said, oh, Greg? It was crazy. And then they wouldn't leave me alone after that because <clears throat> they just couldn't believe that it was me. You see, our eyes can deceive us. And that's, and that's the amazing thing of this man. He was blind. He had nothing with his vision that would allow him to be deceived. Instead, he received Jesus without sight. Do you get that? It's one thing for us to see and believe, but it's another thing to not see and believe. This person, this individual, this former blind man, didn't rely on anything other than the power of Jesus to work and move in his life. He obeys Jesus, he follows his instructions, and he is healed. He is healed. Again, the neighbors, they can't, they can't figure it all out. So they ask the man, they said, like, well, where is this guy? And he said, I don't know. I was blind already. I don't know where he went. I don't know who he is. I don't know anything about the guy. All I know is that he healed me. So they said, fine, we're going to take you to the people who should know. We're going to take you to the Pharisees. They are the smart ones, right? They are the ones with all the answers. They are the ones that are going to be able to give us answers and give us a conclusion to this thing and explain how this could even potentially have happened. So they go to the Pharisees and they come and they say, okay, tell us again what happened. So he explains to them the whole process. Here's what happened. Guy came, he rubbed mud on my eyes, told me to go wash, now I can see, right? And they just immediately turn to, well, this man isn't from God. And you know why? Because he did this, get this, he did this on the Sabbath. How dare he? 
he healed someone on Sunday. And because of that, they said, well, this man, this man's questionable. He's out there. Now, Jesus has already dealt with this sort of thing before. If you remember, Jesus healed a man who couldn't walk. And he had told them then, what's easier to say, that you're forgiven? Or take up your mat and walk? They about lost their minds. And Jesus is here doing it again. And it's not going to be the last time that he does it. We get to, we get to see in, in Matthew, I believe it's chapter 5. I'm sorry, in uh, Matthew chapter 12. Jesus explained to them, he said, Which one of you who has a sheep, that if it fell into a pit on the Sabbath, will not take hold of it and pull it out? How much more value is a man than a sheep? So is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath? See, Jesus always likes to take the things that are pointed to him, and he likes to return them oftentimes with a question to get you to stop and think for just a minute. You see, Jesus poses this question of, if a sheep, one of your sheep, one of your valued sheep, you can't just lose one of your sheep. If that sheep falls into a pit, are you going to grab it and pull it out on the Sabbath? Because what he's telling them is, according to your rule and according to your law, it is against the law for you to reach in there and help that sheep. It needs to stay there and it needs to die. And Jesus is pointing out, there's not a single one of you here who's going to be willing to do that. You're going to reach in there and you're going to pull that thing out and you're going to go, ah, God wasn't looking. That's what they're going to do. Ah, he's not going to worry about this. Ah, it's just a little white lie. Ah, it was just adultery. Ah, it was just, you know. You can make up your own rules, but guess what? It's still a sin. It doesn't matter. According to their way and their law. But you see, when you're the person that writes the law, you get to break the law, don't you? But you don't get to break Jesus' law. You have to follow his. His rules don't change. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and what? Tomorrow, right? Jesus Christ is the moral lawgiver. He said yesterday it was wrong to kill somebody. Guess what? Tomorrow it's still wrong. It's wrong for you to lie. It's wrong for you to adulter. It's wrong for you to do all of these things. He gives us only 10 commandments for us to follow. The Jews went, that's not enough. Let's create 600 more. He said, I'm only giving you 10, and you're not going to be able to follow just these. Because you're sinful people, right out of the gate. And so Jesus, here, he points them to that fact. You are making up your own rules, you're making up your own laws, and you don't even follow those. Because if your sheep fell into that pit, you know, as well as I do, you're going to reach in there and pull that thing out. Even if it's on the Sabbath. So according to Jesus, he's saying, this man was born blind, he can't see how is it going to be wrong if I do something amazing on a Sabbath like giving this man back his sight when this man isn't blind because of anything he did? This man did nothing wrong. He's blind, and I'm going to fix it. That's what Jesus is saying, and I don't care if it's on the Sabbath. And guess what? Jesus Christ, who is God, gets to make the rule, doesn't he? He is the rule maker. He is the law giver. He is the moral law giver. Jesus Christ is the one that says, if I say so, it goes. You know why? Because Jesus Christ has all authority. Nobody else trumps his authority, ever. Jesus says, this is what it is. And guess what? It is what it is. If Jesus Christ says, you've got to stand on one leg and sing Amazing Grace, 
till the cows come home. That's what you got to do. It doesn't matter. It is what it is. When Jesus says it, it is truth, it is powerful, and it is the way that it is. Now, the Jews still don't like that answer, especially the leaders. The leaders can't deal with this, with this mentality. All they see it is, is as someone who is trying to come in and undo what is rightfully theirs. But is it? It's not rightfully theirs. They don't own anything. There's not a single thing in this world that I own. Everything I have here in this world is temporary, isn't it? Everything. I don't get to take any of it with me. You can stuff my casket full. I'm not taking any of that with me. All of it. Doesn't matter what it is. I can have amazing houses. I can have amazing cars. I can have a big old fat bank account, which I don't. I can have everything. But without Jesus, I have nothing. And that's the truth of it. We need Jesus Christ in our lives. Without Jesus Christ, we have zero. We have zero hope. We have zero salvation. We have nothing that can help to turn us around. We are doomed to a life in eternal hell without Jesus Christ. Amen? That's the what it is. That is the absolute truth. Jesus Christ said what? I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That is the words of Jesus. When Jesus speaks those words, those words are solid, solid truth. You're not going to get any truer. So, in the infinite wisdom of the Pharisees, for the second time, they call in the guy. They call him in because they had uh, talked to his parents, and they said, it's your kid. They said, yeah, it's my kid. They said, was he born blind? Yes, he was born blind. Well, then you tell us how this thing happened. They said, you ask him. He's of age. He's an adult. He can answer for himself. But the real thing I want you to hear here is that, is that they were scared. They didn't want to answer because they were afraid of being kicked out of the synagogue. Because these Jewish leaders who were so in power would make a decision if they answered incorrectly. If they said, we believe in Jesus and the works that he's done, they said, you're out of here and you can't come back. You know what I say? Good riddance. Burn the place down for all I care. Because if only is all you're ever going to get out of there is false teaching, it ain't worth the bricks that it's put together with, is it? This building here, what significance does it really truly hold? It doesn't, does it? This building could be here or it could be down the road and it's not going to matter, does it? This, this building doesn't give you truth, does it? This building doesn't save you, does it? Jesus Christ does those things. And we, the people inside the building, we are the body of Christ. We are the people who are supposed to come together and say, this is the word of the Lord. This is what we believe. The foundation has been laid and this is the solid truth of Jesus Christ our Savior. That's what we stand on. And I can do that here or I can do that somewhere else. I can go do that in the middle of a field. The building, the brick and mortar doesn't matter. It's the church. It's the people. It's the body of Christ that makes the church, right? So why are we so worried about a synagogue? Why are his parents? You know why? Because that's what they were brought up in. And unfortunately, tradition a lot of times trumps what people's truth should be. Tradition doesn't matter. 
Throw your tradition out the window. Jesus Christ is what matters. If Jesus Christ were to walk in here today and say, you know what, I want you to sing 12 songs on Sunday, guess what we're going to start doing? We're going to do that. If Jesus Christ says, hey, I want you to come in here and only do a 25-minute sermon, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to shorten it. Well, I mean, let's be real. But the point being is Jesus Christ is the one that makes up the rules. This building doesn't do that. I certainly don't do that. I am a man. I am no different than you. I've been given a task, and I am doing that because without doing that, I know that I have to answer for it, and I am not worth, I, I'm not, I am not doing it. I'm not standing before the Lord and saying I rejected you. There's too much at stake. I have, a, I have something that Jesus Christ has laid upon my heart to do. Each of you have something too. It might be the same thing. It might be something different. But it's not this building that does it. These parents were so concerned they were going to get kicked out. So they call the guy in. They're like, hey, tell us again what happened. This is, I love this. He says, why do you want to hear it again? I've already told you. You didn't want to hear it when I told you the first time. I've already told you what happened. You didn't want to receive it. He goes, oh, wait. Are you trying to become disciples? I love that because you know that's how he said it. Are you all trying to become disciples? The Jewish leaders lost their minds. He said, oh, no, we don't follow. We, we are disciples of who? Moses. We are disciples of Moses because we know that God talked to him. But what work did Moses do that the Lord didn't give him the, 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 the power and the authority? Moses couldn't do anything on his own, could he? Moses couldn't walk up to a guy and say, you're blind. I'm going to rub some mud on your eyeballs and you're going to be healed. Moses couldn't do that work. Not without the Lord giving him the power to do so. You see, Moses had to be granted everything he was able to do. When he struck a rock and, and, and water came out of it, you know what happened? God went, you ain't allowed to do that. And he got in trouble for it because he acted on his own authority. The Lord said, no, I don't think so. You're under my authority and you'll do it as I say do it. So when, when the Lord went to Moses and said, I want you to go part the Red Sea, Moses wasn't just able to go and part the Red Sea himself. It was through the power of the Lord that he was able to part the Red Sea. When he went and talked to, when he went and talked to Pharaoh, he didn't even talk to Pharaoh himself. He said, I'm slow of speech. I can't do it. And he said, fine, I'll send your brother Aaron. We'll let him speak on your behalf. Like there's all these things that Moses did, but he didn't do any of them on his own. Look at what Jesus, tried, Jesus Christ just did. He spit on the ground, made mud with it, and then he healed a guy. Who's got more authority, Moses or Jesus? It's Jesus, isn't it? It's Jesus Christ. Moses doesn't hold a candle to Jesus. Don't get me wrong, he's an amazing guy. There's some people who probably would string me up if I said anything different. He's an amazing guy. He's one of, he's one of the amazing people in here, much like you know Abraham and, and, and Job and, and uh, Paul and so many, so many others. These leaders are angry that this man would just speak to them this way. They said, you know, who are you, a sinner, to come in here and talk to us this way? Who are you, a sinner, to come in here and teach us about what's good and what's right? Well, I'm here to tell you 
that a blind man who received sight by Jesus Christ and believes in Jesus Christ because of who Jesus Christ is and what Jesus Christ has done in his life has way more reason to go and talk and tell these, these Jewish leaders that know nothing and are just pretending they are wolves in sheep's clothing, yeah, I'll take the word of that blind guy every day. Every single day. Those Jewish leaders have no reason and they should not be where they are. And you know what? There's a lot of people like them out there still today. There's a lot of people in this world that are spreading false truths. There's a lot of people in this world that are out there telling people, all you got to do is this, and I'm going to tickle your ear. You send me in your money and all this. You've heard me preach all that stuff before. Send me in your money and and you're going to be blessed. That's not the way it works. You give your heart to the Lord. You don't give it to me. You don't give it to this church. You give your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ and he will save you. It's on his terms, not mine, not anybody else's. And so, these Jewish leaders, they don't get it. So when this man, when this man is encountered by Jesus for a second time, because because these Jewish leaders were so upset that they told this man, "You're you're kicked out. You can't come back in the synagogue," which is the reason his parents were so worried. They said, "You're out of here. You can't come back. You're kicked out of the church." Because you were believing in the one who, who regained your sight, restored your sight. Jesus, hearing about this, approached him. Hearing he's been cast out, Jesus said, do you believe in the Son of Man? And the guy answers him, he says, who is he that I may believe? Remember, the, he, this man had never seen Jesus. He was blind when Jesus did the work but he received Jesus with his heart. That's the important part here. Jesus said to him, you have seen him now, and it is he who speaks to you. Now the man has received Jesus with his heart, and now he has seen and believed in the works that have been done. He tells Jesus, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped Jesus. And then Jesus confirms for us the reason that he's here. He says, For judgment I came into the world that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. The Pharisees can't deal with this. They're hearing Jesus teach truth. That's something that's foreign to their ears. And so they approach Jesus and they say, Now wait a minute, we can see. If we were blind, what, you know, what, what would that look like? These Pharisees come and they say, are we also blind? And Jesus looks at them and he says, if you were blind, then you would have no guilt. You wouldn't know any better, other, in, in other words. He says, if you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say, we see, your guilt remains. You've seen the works of the Lord, and yet you still deny it. This man who had never seen received the works of the Lord, and he believed. He believed out of what has happened. He believed out of what he received, and he believed. 
These other people are seeing what's going on. It's laid out in front of their eyes. The evidence is there. Remember, that's where we started. It was evidential. This man was blind, now you can see. And they are rejecting the truth. And Jesus Christ is saying, yeah, yeah, you all who say that you can see, your guilt remains on you. Which means you are sinners and you're refusing to repent and turn away from those things. That's a dangerous place to be. So, as we wrap up today, the question becomes, are you going to be like the blind man? Or are you going to be a person who has had sight your entire life and yet still refuse to believe? Because the truth is, is that, that seeing isn't believing, is it? When Jesus Christ taps you on the shoulder, he touches your heart, you receive him. Nobody in this room who has ever accepted Jesus Christ as Lord, Lord, and Savior, who among you who has accepted Jesus, how many of you have seen Jesus right in front of your face before you accepted Him as your Lord and Savior? You've physically seen Him. Not a single hand in the room, is there? You don't believe because you can see it. You believe because Jesus has spoken to your heart. His Holy Spirit has touched you and He has changed your life. Our eyes will fail us. Our eyes will deceive us. If you don't believe me, go check out all the jury people that, that, that have been put onto, or, or the witnesses that have been put upon a stand where they say, you saw this thing go down, and they said, yeah, and the next thing you know, they need glasses that were this thick, and they couldn't see like five feet in front of them. But, boy, they were sure that that was the person who committed the crime. Guess what? Jesus Christ didn't commit a crime, and yet he died for you. He was sinless. And people accused him of things that were false. And it was mostly done by these Jewish leaders. They convinced people who could see with their eyes to ignore their heart. And because they didn't believe, because they didn't believe, Jesus Christ was put on a cross and he was crucified. But again, remember how we said in the beginning, it seems a little bit unfair that this man would be born blind and go with his life until the point where Jesus came and saved him and restored his sight. It seems a little bit unfair that God would do this just so that he could show his work, show his power, doesn't it? How much more unfair is it that Jesus Christ, who was sinless, how much more unfair was it that Jesus Christ took upon himself everyone's sin in the world, took upon the weight of that sin, and he allowed himself to be crucified for me, for you, for the entire world, so that we could be rid of our sin? so that we could be forgiven our sin. Because without Jesus Christ, that couldn't happen. He was the only one who was able or capable to be able to take on that type of task, that type of weight, and to offer true forgiveness. And if you accept him as your Lord and Savior, then you can be saved. As a matter of fact, it says if you accept Jesus Christ, believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Because Jesus Christ is the only way. You heard me say it early on. Jesus Christ is the way and the truth and the life, and nobody comes to the Father except through him. And that is absolute truth. You can take it to the bank. Jesus died as a sinless person. The man who knew no sin became sin so that we could be forgiven, so that we could have a chance, so that we could have an opportunity at salvation. Have you received the grace of Jesus Christ today? Or... Are you like the Pharisees and the Jewish leaders where you can see, but you're allowing your heart and your eyes to be deceived? Because if that's the case, I'm going to invite you to close your eyes, and I want you to, to 
let Jesus speak to your heart with your eyes closed. And as we pray, I want you to do that. I want you to close your eyes and I want you to receive the power of Jesus Christ. And as we sing this last song, I want you to leave your eyes closed. I don't even care if you sing. Just listen to the words of this last song. It's going to be a new song anyway. You're not going to know the words to it probably. So just allow yourself to soak in Jesus Christ into your life and allow Him to make a difference. And if you've not received Him, make that happen today. If you have received Him, but you find yourself in a place where you're like, you know what, I'm not living right. I need to do better. Come to this altar. There's not anything special about it. It's just wood and carpet. But it's that, but it's that stepping out in faith sometimes that really gives that extra spark. Step out in faith today. Renew your heart to the Lord or give your heart to the Lord. Do one or the other, but trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Let's pray. So Father, we come before you now. Lord, I just pray that you would humble us. Lord, I thank you for making yourself known here today. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that I know is here in this place. You're always with us. It's not just because of what was just taught or preached. You're always with us. You don't leave us. You don't forsake us. You're always beside us, walking with us every single step of the way. And so, Lord, I pray today that you would allow hearts to receive you. Especially for those who don't know you, for those who have never professed faith in you, Lord, I pray that you would do a work right here, right now, And that by faith, anyone who doesn't know you would come to know who you are. Father, I pray that as we go through this thing of life, where it is hard and it is difficult, Lord, that we would allow ourselves to be continually changed and transformed by you. So, Lord, I also ask that you would encourage anyone here who needs to rededicate their lives, that they would come forward. That you would cast away Satan, and anything that the enemy would do to hold us back. We have things that are upcoming. We have things that we want to do as a church, as the body of Christ. We want to reach out into this community, Lord, and I want us to become on fire for you. And so, Lord, charge us up and help us to cast away anything that holds us back. It needs to be for you and only for you. So allow for your way and your will to be done here in this place. Thank you, Lord. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.